Yeah. <laughs> it can event. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace, at least, and a better spot to settle. My brother said the Americans have Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show, Community Spread. I'm your host, Kevin Lundell. On the pod today, we have some very special guests. A friend of mine, Marcy Ray, and her son, Elliot. Elliot has Down syndrome, and Marcy has come on to talk about raising him and the process that she has gone through to assure that he has a wonderful life and that he has every opportunity to live up to his full potential. As I listened to her story, I was really amazed at how there was this balance of community and government that came together to really make it sure that Elliot could develop and and grow and really thrive. Marcy talked about leaving the hospital and having all of these resources kind of at her fingertips. And she was able to negotiate and navigate the, the system and was able to create a wonderful life for Elliot. And Marcy is just the kind of person that's going to go above and beyond for her son. She loves him dearly. You can see it in the way that they interact and the way that she talks about him. And so it does take a special person to really create the life that she's created for Elliot. But she also had lots of advantages. She had a community that raised money for her and their family. She had she lived in a pretty well-off neighborhood in, in South Weber. She was leaving a pretty well-off hospital when she had Elliot. And I kind of have been thinking about this and thinking about this story and how this story ends up being differently. If Marcy happens to live in the South side of Chicago, where if you remember back to our episode with Ben Mazeros on transracial adoption, he flew there to pick up his baby Finn. And he described a hospital that was kind of dilapidated that had empty elevator shafts with doors open with caution tape across it, where they had to enter through metal detectors to get in. I wonder what kind of resources the mother that leaves that hospital is able to get. And if she's able to have the same sort of experience in finding those resources, even if it's a mother that cares as deeply about her son as Marcy does and is motivated to find the help that he needs? Is she able to navigate the system in the same way and have that stuff at her fingertips to be able to help that child? I think we all know the answer, and the answer is no, probably not. And that that we don't live in a fair, equitable, and just society, and that a lot of that stems off of where we were born and the family we came from. I don't even think you have to go to the south side of Chicago. I think, what if this was a baby that was born to a single mother in downtown Ogden that just doesn't have a lot, maybe comes from a first-generation American family and hasn't built a lot of wealth and doesn't have that that sort of help to help her navigate the system and find help for that baby and that child? It's not a fair, equitable, and just society until we're able to give those experiences to all. And everyone has those same opportunities. One thing I know that will not lead to more 
fair, equitable, and just society is when we start talking about how the government is too large and how we need to cut government spending. When we talk about those things, there is a person behind those cuts. And that person might be Elliot. And when we think about you know, Marcy talked about her ability to get on Medicaid and how it was predicated on how sick Elliot was. Medicaid was able to be expanded just recently here in Utah. Until that happened, there was a gap of people that were not able to get health care. That a diagnosis like leukemia means bankruptcy. That's just not okay. It's not okay to be a mother or father worrying about your son's leukemia or and worrying about how you're going to find treatment for and for any sort of sickness or any sort of special need. That's the last thing they should have to be thinking about. So when we think about creating a fair, equitable, and just society, there is really important space for government. I think you're going to see that in this conversation. There's also really important space for community. And you'll also see that in this conversation. It's not one or the other that they have to come together both and that a, that a healthy community is able to do just that rally around your neighbor help them find the resources that they need and make it so that they thrive under every and all circumstances i hope you're going to enjoy this same, this conversation in the same way that i did and with that now our conversation with Marcy and Elliot. Look how far we don't came, we made it to this land of surprise. Though the prophecy says we all been to a bride. Spread the word, let it be known the heaven set us around. Right here, live in the flesh. Well, hello. I'm so excited to have my good friend Marcy on with us and her son Elliot. Say hi, Elliot. Hey. And Marcy, how are you doing today? So good. So good. So good. I, you know, I met Marcy, uh, geez, it's gotta be like eight years ago now or so. And we all automatically seem to have this sort of thing where we just like, we got each other. We understood each other. We were, we were just buds from the, from the get go. Yep. Even when I was, even when I was coaching you at CrossFit and trying to get you to do things you didn't want to do. Exactly. (laughs) You can feel nauseated because you worked me so hard. I mean, it's part of it's part of the experience, I think, you know, part of the experience. <laughs> well, we are having you on today to talk about your son, Elliot, and, and he's sitting yeah. there right next to us. Elliot has Down syndrome, and he is just an awesome, awesome man. Uh, man. And Elliot, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about you. What are some things that you really are liking to do right now? Um, I love to play my room a lot. He likes to play in his room a lot. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 20 years old. 20 years old. Oh, man, that means you're turning 21 soon. Yes. Are you excited about that? Yes, I am. What are you going to do for your 21st birthday? Uh, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, you're going to celebrate. Yay. We do. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Yeah. Go, say again, Marcy. We do. A lot of big yes. celebrations for this boy's birthday. He is yes. a hero. Yes. Absolutely. What are some, um, you, do you, are you liking to, do you like sports or other, or movies, or what are some of your favorite things? Um, I like to play basketball. Basketball. I like basketball too. I'm not very good at it, but I, li- I like it. 
Um, Elliot's really good. Elliot's really good at basketball. He is. Yeah, yeah wow. he helped the team at Roy High School. Yes, I did. Yeah. Huh. Awesome. Awesome. Did you um do you have a do you, do you have a favorite team that you like? Um I like who's your, who's your favorite player? Jonathan Mitchell. Jonathan Mitchell. Spider Mitchell is my favorite player too. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Love jazz basketball. I just that's like my favorite thing to do is just sit down and watch jazz basketball. As a matter of fact, I we got my son some of the Spider Mitchell shoes because we're big fans at our house. Ooh, yay. <laughs> and he just signed a contract, so he's going to be with us for a while. Yes. Yes. Well, tell, Miss, tell us a little bit about your mom, Elliot. What, what, tell us about your mom. Is she pretty nice? Uh, yes. yes. What's, your, what's your favorite thing about your mom? Uh, I have a family. He has a family, yeah. and do we love you to pieces? Yes. And do we do fun things? Yes, we do. Yes. And Ma loves to dance a lot, and she's a, good, she's a little crazy for dance. I like to dance a lot, and I'm a little crazy with dance. Yeah, we 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 heard that loud and clear. I I mean, maybe someday we'll get a, a special performance from you and your mom <laughs> with dancing. <laughs> do you like to dance with her? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, we yes. dance a lot. Yes, him and I. Yes, huh. that sounds like a blast. And do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a sister Lily. She's ten years old, and I love her. Oh, that's uh, and she's 10 years old yeah. and he loves her. Yes. Yes. Hi, Lily. Hi. <laughs> you guys have a wonderful family. It looks like just a, a great time over there at your house. Yeah, it's busy. I bet it is. Busy. Elliot, are you excited for Christmas? Yes, I am. <laughs> Tell me what you asked for. I'm getting it. High school. Musical, musical series. High School Musical. Are you are you a big High School Musical fan? Yes, I am. He yeah, wants the- Zac Efron High School Musical jersey and posters. Yeah, for the series, mom. For the series. Of course, of course. I mean, I who who's not a Zac Efron fan? Let's be honest. It's true. Yeah. Pretty much everybody. If you're not, that's a problem you have, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elliot, it was so good to meet you. I'm really happy that I, that I got that opportunity to meet you and you got an opportunity to have you on the podcast. Yay. Yay. Okay. Yay. Can you go play in your room for a minute? Yes. Okay. I'm going to talk to Kevin for a little bit. Thanks oh. so much, Elliot. That was Bye. fun. Bye. Such a fun, sweet boy. Yes. Such a such a fun, sweet boy. Um, I think we all of our listeners got that uh, just by listening to him for you know five minutes there or something. He's very happy and sweet. Absolutely, his smile was just uh, beaming ear to ear that that entire time during that conversation. It was a treat. So take us. Well, first off, I, I want uh, some of our listeners to know because they may not know. Uh, tell us a little bit about Down syndrome. You know. How does it happen? What happens? And what um, what what is it what is it like? Tell us just a little bit about that. You bet. So uh, Down syndrome isn't necessarily genetic. Uh, it happens right at conception, where the cells are dividing so rapidly. And what happens is 
the 21st chromosome just sticks. So every cell of Elliot's body has an extra 21st chromosome. And with that happening, it makes everything a little bit weaker. So he's just like you and I. He can do so many things. There's a broad spectrum uh, from they can't walk, they can't talk, they can't speak, they can't hear, to someone like Elliot who is very high-functioning. And it just is because of that extra 21st chromosome that sticks right at conception. And um, it's been our greatest blessing having Elliot in our family. Well, so, yeah, that that's uh, so when you say it's not genetic, it means that it's not necessarily like past, like you guys have it. And so someone else is, in your family is going to get it. It's not it's not hereditary per se. Right. Uh, but it is it does have to do with the genome and and, and, and that there's an extra chromosome there. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with age. So uh, that's a misconception. When uh, people get older, they think they are more prone to having some uh, person, a child with Down syndrome. But it's only because the amount of people that have babies when they're older is uh, smaller. So... It doesn't matter how old you are. I was 23 when I had Elliot and it just happens sometimes just like other things like autism and other disabilities that might happen. It doesn't matter your age. Yeah. So take us back, uh, what, almost 21 years ago when uh, you found out you were pregnant with Elliot. Tell us about that. Tell us what, where were you at in your life? What were you doing and what was, what was that uh, announcement uh, like or feeling or finding that out? Just finding out you're pregnant. Well, okay. So um, I was 23. I got pregnant. I was in my last trimester or last semester at Weber State University. And I was really close to graduating. And we thought, oh, okay, it'll be fine. I'll graduate and then we'll have our sweet baby. Well, um, things changed as life happens. And Elliot, uh, one time at work, I, he stopped moving. So I went to the doctor and I asked for a stress test and to monitor him. And they sent me home. So this is when you're pregnant and you're feeling him and all of a sudden you're, you're like, oh, he's not moving. He's not moving. And I was really nervous because I couldn't feel him at all. And he was about 27 weeks along at this point. So very, uh, barely viable at that point 20 years ago. And I uh, went to the doctor. They sent me home and said I was a stressed out mom and everything's fine. But I went home and I felt so uneasy. And I drank a lot of orange juice and laid on my left side and tried to feel him at at all and I couldn't and so I went back the next day and I told them I'm not leaving until you find out what's wrong because I can't feel my baby and so they sent me to Dr. O'Sherrill who is an awesome doctor and he did a more intensive ultrasound for Elliot and he said 
he, he was very quiet while he did his ultrasound and didn't say much. And then he said, what did you have for breakfast? And I told him what I had for breakfast. And he said, okay, we have to wait an hour and we have to take this baby because he won't last another 24 hours. And so uh, I waited the hour and they took me in for emergency C-section. They did a classical C-section because uh, they wanted it the least invasive for Elliot because he needed to survive. This was 20 years ago. Wow. And they, it was hard to save babies at 27, 28 weeks. And um, they took me in for my C-section and Elliot was born. And he was one pound, 11 ounces. Just the tiniest little thing. He was long as a dollar bill. We have a what? Elliot right next to a dollar bill. He was so tiny. His head was the size of a tennis ball. And um, my husband at the time could put his wedding ring all the way over his thigh. That's how tiny this little tiny baby was. And uh, McKady Hospital was amazing. They they saved his life and did a great job. But it was a long journey. Elliot struggled and was on seven to eight pumps of different medications and things like that to keep him alive for almost four months. He was on a ventilator. Um, he... Uh, he didn't even look like a baby when he was born. He was so tiny, but, um, and at what point did, did you find out that he had down syndrome? Oh, it was like two and a half months in because Elliot had into your pregnancy or after he was born after he was born because they couldn't do proper blood tests to find out because he had so many, uh, transfusions. So it would uh, mess up. Oh, wow. Life. So Because he didn't have his own blood. He didn't have his own blood. Whoa. And my family donated blood. My dad, he had the perfect blood type, which is very rare. And my dad donated blood and kept Elliot alive in those early months when he was so tiny. And they did the tests and uh, at two and a half months, but we already knew. I already felt it in my heart. And, uh, so they did the blood test. And when the doctor came in and said, Elliot has down syndrome, I said, I know. And so we had already prepared mentally. Um, it's a difficult preparation for that only because you lose a lot of the dreams and hopes that you have for your children, like marriage which Elliot can get married or children because he's sterile and uh, it just changes your perspective on life completely yeah. and makes you appreciate those tiny things. Well, so, so tell me what you were, what were you feeling at this moment? You have a son who's fighting for his life. You have a feeling inside that, that, you know, he has downs and then you get that. You, the doctor tells you, what are what are the emotions around that as you're trying to digest all the things you just talked about, but also, you know, you have a, a child that's that's fighting for his life? Um, I think the part about fighting for his life was much more difficult 
than the Down syndrome diagnosis because um, I knew no matter what, Elliot would have an amazing life as long as he lived because he had two great parents that loved him and adored him. But we didn't know from day to day if he was going to live or die. That was difficult. That was difficult for both of us, Alex and I. I and bet. Alex is his dad. I bet. And so what point did you get, did he, he start to, you think uh, he's going to make it through this? And at what point did you get to take him home? Oh man, he was four months old and we got to take him home. He was on oxygen. He was on a heart monitor. He was four and a half pounds and I was terrified. My first child and I didn't know what to do. But uh, I had been at the hospital so much with him and spent so much time with him by his little isolate where he grew as a tiny little 1.11 pound baby. So um, I kind of knew him, but I was still really scared and paranoid. So he was on oxygen for a year. He was in his uh, he was in his baby carrier and he had his oxygen and his heart monitors and we kept him covered. But really, for the first year, I didn't go anywhere. I just held him all day and cuddled him and bonded with him. And he, sounds like a real precious time there. A real precious time, and he flourished and he did well and he gained weight. He had food issues, so we had to get. Nutramagen, which was a really expensive uh, formula, and he had um, issues. Because of Down syndrome, it makes you a little bit weaker in every aspect, your hair, your skin, your eyes, your digestive system, your heart. Uh, everything is a tiny bit weaker than you and I, Kev. We had to adjust and make our life about Elliot. And, but we also knew that he needed a sibling that would help him. So soon after Elliot was uh, born, we had a second child, Andrew. And I was terrified the whole time that he would be born not with Down syndrome. The, the dog toy, the dog, it is happening at your house. Everything's happening at your house. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that you have, a, you have a dog? Is it a puppy? You have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cute dog but okay keep going so uh we had andrew and i was very nervous because not about down syndrome i didn't care if i had every child with down syndrome it was about prematurity it was about being healthy and at this point elliot is this happy joyous little toddler um he couldn't walk but he would scoot how many how far apart are they uh, they're 17 months apart. Okay. So really, really close. Yeah. Andrew was born. Uh, he came a little early, but he was like six pounds, 11 ounces, which was so big to me. Yeah. And he has been Elliot's partner in life since the very beginning. Andrew walked before Elliot. He talked before Elliot. Uh, and Andrew, you know, he's been the basketball team at Roy high and junior high. He is a 4.0 student and he just has been Elliot's rock. He has helped Elliot learn to walk and talk. And, uh, 
We worked with Elliot through uh, programs through the state to help him to be able to be as at the best level Elliot can be. We want him to have his, the best life he can. We want him to be as happy as he can and accomplish everything in his life that he wants to accomplish. It, it sounds like Andrew turned out to be that exact vision you had when you thought we're gonna, he needs a sibling and Andrew turned out to be like the exact thing you envisioned in your mind of having a sibling to help him through all of that. That's pretty incredible. It is incredible. I remember Andrew would run around and Elliot would scoot by pulling himself with his legs. So we nicknamed Elliot Scooter because he would be as fast as Andrew and just tear across the floor, but he didn't have the strength in his legs to hold his body up. So Andrew would help encourage him. And one of my neighbors brought over what they call a standing machine. And it's for kids with cerebral palsy or things like that to help them gain strength in their body. And I remember the first time I saw Elliot stand up, right? He was strapped in at his calves, at his thighs, at his waist, at his arms. And he stood for the first time and he looked so tall to me. And all I could do was sob. And he was almost three years old at that time. He wow. Was, yeah. And, and from that point, we worked with his muscles and got him strong enough. And eventually, with a walker, he was able to stand. And then he would walk around with a walker. And he learned to walk on his own at three and a half years old. Wow. Well, that's incredible. So tell me, how did you, you know, as Elliot's developing, did you have any, any help from, you know, government agencies and, and different things as, as you're trying to figure out how to navigate this and how to best help Elliot grow and develop? Yes. From the very beginning, when we came home, we had the most amazing therapists come over from the state, early intervention. And I still love them dearly and uh, keep in contact with them. And they would come and do activities with Elliot to help him with his fine motor. Elliot struggles with his fine motor, holding pencils, things like that. Um, and they would help him with his standing, uh, doing, showing me exercises, massage, in order to keep his muscles strong and get him stronger. Um, and then uh, we had, after early intervention, he went to a preschool, uh, Canyon View Elementary, had a preschool for uh, special needs kids and they were amazing with him, teaching him and trying to teach him his colors. And later we found out Elliot has uh, some, uh, he can't distinguish colors, but now Elliot has learned how to write his name. He has learned uh, so many things. And I think it was a lot the, of the reason is because of those early intervention days. We did flashcards with him and we worked with him every day and it was just an amazing program. Early intervention is amazing for those that have special needs kids. Yeah. You know, one of the things we talk about on this podcast is we share people's experiences that are, you know, in vulnerable communities and, and we talk about how important you know, a, a role that government and other people can play in helping these these communities 
develop and live great lives. And it sounds like you had that experience early on as, as he is developing and you are trying to find all the ways to help him. Was, was it tough to navigate that? Like, like as far as trying to find the right help and trying to, was it tough to navigate that or was it easy to, to, to find the resources that you needed? Well, I'm sure in some communities, in some parts of the United States, it would be difficult. But for me, the hospital set it up. And so they just got right involved. As soon as Elliot and I came home from the hospital, they were there to help. And uh, yeah, it wasn't a problem for me. But um, I know that if you just Google early intervention, if you have a child that needs special help, they they would definitely come out and help. And it was all free of charge. And that is amazing because we were poor. So yeah, it was really, really a great experience for me. So and so what's what's school like? He's he's growing, he's developing, you got through preschool. What's what's elementary, junior high and high school like for Elliot? Oh, um, so he went to preschool and I remember the day that one of his teachers emailed me and said, Elliot doesn't seem like he feels good. He's not using his left leg. He's struggling with his right arm. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going on, but, um, he doesn't feel good. So I went and picked him up and we took him right to his pediatrician, which she is the most amazing thing. She would come to our house and check on Elliot. Just a minute, honey. And she did house calls free of charge um, to come and check on Elliot. And he wasn't using one of his arms. He wasn't using one of his legs. And we started getting really concerned that it was neurological. So we took him to Primary Children's Hospital. And um, that was just before Christmas of 2004, I remember. And they did all these tests and they weren't quite sure what was going on. So they needed to do a bone biopsy of his leg because uh, he wasn't using that leg. And they saw some really a lot of inflammation in his leg. And uh, so we did some a bone biopsy and the doctor came in and I already knew. I already knew. It's weird. Sometimes moms just know. But he came in and I remember he put his knees against my knees and he looked in my face and he said, your son has leukemia. And that was another game changer in this life for my sweet Elliot. And he said, we need to start treatments immediately. It's throughout all of his bone marrow and it's saturated with leukemia cells. And if you want him to survive, we have to start now. So 2004, we started chemotherapy and treatments for Elliot. And that was a whole nother dynamic. That was harder than when he was one pound, 11 ounces, because we had all these memories and we had all of this history with our sweet son. And now he was fighting leukemia. And it is more prone with children, people with Down syndrome, because their immune system is weaker. We all have leukemia cells in our body, but we can fight them off because we have a proper immune system. But sometimes with leukemia, uh, 
it overwhelms a body that has a little bit weaker immune system. So I know many parents that have children with Down syndrome that have also dealt with leukemia. And Elliot had the less severe leukemia. He had ALL leukemia, which is a lymphoblastic leukemia. And the survival rate 20 years ago was about 80%. And so we started the leukemia treatments. At that time, I had Andrew, who was two, and Oliver, who was six months old. Oh, my goodness, Marcy. I know. Wow. It was a rough time. We lived at Primary Children's for three out of four weeks, and we wow. never left Elliot's side, not for a second. We and had food you, brought up, and he just didn't know what was going on, and he had a feeding tube for four years. Elliot had a feeding tube because he wouldn't eat. And at one point when he was four years old, he only weighed 23 pounds because he wouldn't eat. So we went through a lot with leukemia and uh, getting him well. And did at the time, did, um, you know, you're spending all this time uh, at Primary Children's um, medical issues. Uh, are, are, do you, are you guys insured? Is, is Elliot through, uh, through, through available for Medicaid? What, what's the, you know, you talked about financial situation, um, that you were poor. Um, how are you able to navigate that at the time as well? Well, at the time, uh, my then husband had uh, really great insurance. And so it covered 100% of his medical issues at that time. Um, when Elliot got cancer and was on a ventilator, then uh, there's a very, very long list of people that are trying to get on Medicaid. And uh, Elliot was at the bottom until because of his Down syndrome until he got cancer and then was on a ventilator and a feeding tube and he had a port in his chest for his medications. Then he was bumped to the top and he was able to get Medicaid, which covered any additional expenses for our family at that time. And that's what, what he us. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, having like going through what you're going through, um, Elliot. And again, you're up against him fighting for his life. And at, at least that's something that you, you didn't have to think about was the finances. Um, because no parent, that's, that's just not something a parent should have to think about in that situation. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that, I'm, I'm, that's really great that you were able to, to navigate that, uh, both have insurance and Medicaid and be able to to not have to at least, I mean, you're sure you had to worry about it because you had to enroll him and do all of that, but right. you know, and navigate that process. But once it's in place, then you can just worry about him and, and his health. And we had a great caseworker and they helped us navigate through all the paperwork and all of that. And our uh, community of South Weber had a garage sale and they uh, raised a bunch of money for us to help with added expenses because I wasn't working. Alex couldn't work as much. He was working as minimal as he could because we had two little babies at home. And I remember they raised a great deal of money to help us navigate those years when Elliot had cancer. So our community was amazing. So how long did it take for um, the cancer to go into remission? 
Uh, he was diagnosed in 2004. In 2008, April, he had his last treatment. And uh, I mean, there are many, I could go on for hours about the stories that he went through in those four years. And it was really tough. At one point, he couldn't sit up or stand. Um, at one point, I remember when he, he was losing his hair and he had a feeding tube, but he hadn't seen himself. He couldn't sit up by himself. And I had given him a bath and I was holding him in a towel and he looked in the mirror and he said, scary, I'm scary. And that, that was a really tough moment for me when, when I see this fragile little boy struggling for his life, but knows he is loved a hundred percent. And so the navigation through those four years was really tough on our family. You know, I mean, there was no time for date nights or anniversaries or um, celebrating birthdays. I missed my son Oliver's first step, his first word, his first birthday, because I was at the hospital. And it just was a very difficult time. But when Elliot had that last treatment, and I do have to add, they sent us uh, Make-A-Wish, which is another great, amazing organization, sent us to Disney World. And Elliot came off oxygen and we thought he was strong enough. So we went to Disney World and they treated him like he was a king. Oh, wow. It was amazing. Yes. These government programs, these uh, nonprofit organizations that have helped us through our lives have done amazing things. Uh, Elliot had a great time. He got to meet all the characters. He never stood in a line. He uh, had, we had so much extra spending money that we came home with a little bit because they gave us so much and we bought all these souvenirs that people had donated to make a wish. And how old was he uh, when you got to go to Disney World? He was seven at that time. He was still oh. in treatments, but he wasn't on oxygen. So we thought, okay, we can take him. And uh, it was amazing and magical. So Make-A-Wish is another great program. That My kids are eight and six, so oh. I, I can just imagine them at Disney World. But, but yeah. the, the context of him being having gone through what he's gone through and you're, you and your family having gone through what you've gone through and to be able to uh, do that um, just as had to have just been magical. a moment when you, a magical, a moment when you could try to just forget all everything that had happened and just enjoy each other and enjoy life. Elliot's in, you know, he's probably around, uh, he's seven years old entering first or uh, second grade. What is school like for Elliot? So Elliot started in kindergarten and uh, he was in the special needs unit and they were amazing. The teachers they helped him. They knew of his immune system issues. So anytime anyone had a cold or flu or anything, they would let me know so I could take Elliot home and keep him with me. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. I had three kids at the time. And uh, just to try and keep him safe from anything that might uh, hurt him uh, with his immune system being low. But uh, he did really well. He went through elementary school, Canesville Elementary. He went to Sandridge Junior High. 
and he was a king there. And uh, the kids there, because they are so involved with other kids with special needs, they treated him like a king. He was, I remember my son, Oliver, who would walk with me through all the halls to get Elliot to his uh, contained unit, his special needs unit at Roy High School. And he, Elliot would be hugged 50 times and high-fived all through the halls. And I remember my son, who was young at the time, said, Mom, Elliot is a celebrity. And Elliot, that's how he feels. He feels like he is the most amazing special person on the planet. And that's what I want for him. And he's very, very happy. And uh, he's doing really well. He graduated from high school two years ago. He was homecoming king. And he went to dances. And the kids there treated him amazing. They they asked him to dances and uh, were good friends with him. So he he is quite a character at school. He's sometimes funny. sometimes kids are nice, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's an amazing story, you know. I just think so much about what what kids are going through in in junior high and high school and how hard that time is, and um, that that kids would think outside of themselves in those moments and take care of Elliot is is pretty incredible, really. It really is, and I think a lot of that is because they knew Elliot is pure acceptance. Elliot is pure love, and so they felt that from him. So they gave it to him in return. And that's so true about any of our relationships, right? Like if yeah. we are able to, you know, you, you want someone in your life that gives it to, gives you that feeling and then you're able to reciprocate that back. Right. He's a great example of that. You can tell. He is. He is. He is a great example of many wonderful things. So what's next for Elliot? So Elliot right now is home. Uh, he stays home only because COVID, we're nervous. Uh, he has um, bipulmonary dysplasia in his lung because he was on the ventilator so long. So if he were to get COVID, it would be very detrimental to him, especially because he has a little bit lower immune system. He has a harder time fighting colds. Um, when he gets sick, he gets really sick. But he fights it off and does well. And so far, he's been good. He, he has avoided COVID. How's we, that with your family? I mean, is your, cause you have other kids, uh, right. That are in school. Are you, are they doing online school? Are they, how are, how are you navigating that? Right now they are online school. Um, they are going back soon to their schools. Uh, hopefully Elliot's on the top of the list to get the vaccine. So we will get him vaccinated as well as our other kids in the house to keep him safe. And that is a great program. I just, I'm so grateful that for all of the scientists and all the people working sleeplessly to get us a vaccine for Corona so that uh, all of us can survive. That's going to be a happy day. Happy day. Is yeah. I know, I guess yeah he's over I was gonna say so are your are they gonna give it to your other kids I know that it's not tested on younger kids have you looked into that and from what I had heard it wasn't available for anyone under eighteen are they gonna able to 
work around uh, that? I'm not sure about that. Uh, I'm hopeful that they can give it to my other kids just to keep them safe from Corona so that it's not passed to Elliot. My other kids, I think, would do fine. I've had it. I had Corona. It was two weeks of miserable, felt like a terrible, terrible cold, but the headaches were horrible. The ears and you couldn't, the ears were ringing. You couldn't smell or taste and just feeling really yucky. How did you navigate that with Elliot? Were you, I mean. Well, his dad and I are not married. Um, So he was at his dad's when I contracted COVID. And so he was he stayed there until I was completely immune and I got a test and I was negative and what a relief. So what a relief that he was there when you were able to. Yes. What a relief. And it's nice you're immune now. So I have the, the Corona veil. I'm I'm so (laughs) jealous. I'm so jealous of that. I know. So now he's in a program called the life program which is an amazing program and it's state funded and he goes uh, to school when he, when Corona's over, he'll go back. But when he goes to school, they teach him life skills like, sorry, my dog is growling at a neighbor. Perfect. I love it. It's life at at the Ray house. Yes. So uh, he goes to the life program and they teach him safety skills. They teach him, um, work skills so that he is able to have a job and uh he ultimately wants to work for roy high school and they have a person with down syndrome kip who works at roy high school right now he's 43 and elliot would work alongside him and help you know cleaning up with the um after the assemblies and help with anything they need that Elliot is capable of. And uh, so that program is in state and uh, they are amazing. They have him do go to job sites. He's been, he's worked for a time with an assistant at uh, Pizza Hut at Kent's grocery store in the produce section. He has done so many fun jobs that have helped to create a sense of security when he does enter the job workforce. So that's another great program that they do. I think what you're, and and what I'm hearing about that is this, this really neat mix of community and government that is able to rally and, and help, um, and just create a a wonderful life for, for Elliot. Yep. Elliot, you're back. It's, I'm so happy you came back in. We are just wrapping up. You have a wonderful mom. We just heard all about your story and everything uh, that you have have been able to overcome in your life. You're pretty awesome, Elliot. You are a hero, huh? Yeah, you're a hero. He's been. Tell us what it was like to be homecoming king. What was it like when you wore your crown and you went to the dance and you were in the assembly? Yeah, I was in the assembly. Yes, yes. And you're a great dancer. And I I love to dab. He loves to dab. <laughs> you do. Uh, you do. Give me. A, give me your best dab right now. Boom. Boom. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. That was amazing. Well, 
that that was incredible. I'm so happy I got to experience and hear your story, Elliot, and to meet you. Marcy, did you have anything else you would like our listeners to know about um, Elliot or about just um, raising uh, and having a family with someone that has special needs? Uh, something I would like uh, people to know that are going through a chronic illness or have a child with special needs is there are avenues out there to help parents. I think the mental health of parents is very key in order to um, help these beautiful, amazing humans grow and do well. But I didn't take advantage of it growing through all of this. Um, And I wish I had reached out to maintain my mental health and my ex-husband's mental health to navigate these processes because it is very difficult on parents. It affects your physical, your emotional, your spiritual, your, uh, your monetary. Every aspect of your life is affected in very many good ways and you grow and change and become stronger, but also it can be very, very difficult, especially if you're doing it alone. And I know there are probably many parents out there that are doing it alone. And I am not one of those. Alex is an amazing father and helps Elliot and does everything he can to make his life the best he can. And also my other children. Uh, But there are parents out there that don't access those avenues for mental health for you as you're going through it. I would recommend that. Yeah, there's an element of for anyone struggling, and there's lots of reasons to to struggle as you're going through all the things you did, but there's an element of uh, just someone that you have to be able to say, I need help. Maintaining yourself is very important. Yeah, Absolutely. And so I think what I'm hearing is don't be afraid to say, I need help and and reach out to, to services. Don't be afraid to say, I need help. Because there are people like me who are willing to help. And there are avenues out there that can help families going through this. And if anyone out there needs help or needs advice or someone to talk to, I'm a good avenue. Thank you so much, Marcy and Elliot. Thank you, Kevin. You are a champion and you are my brother from another mother. That's right, sister. <laughs> Bye, Ellie. It was so good to meet you. Yes. And that's it for the show today. We will not have an episode coming at you next week. We're going to take a little Christmas break and be back at the new year. So make sure that you smash that subscribe button so when your new episode comes back in 2021, you'll get a notification. And please share this episode with a friend. As always, we want to thank Decker Yazi for our artwork and August the Great for our theme music. And special thanks to my man, Dan Martinez, for all he does to bring this podcast together. Look up Deep State Media. Check out their YouTube channel. Lots of cool things going on at Deep State Media. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful Christmas and a very happy new year. We'll see you next time. 
Community Spread is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by me, Kevin Lundell, and directed and edited by Dan Martinez. 